Hello and welcome back once again to Booze, Booms and Busts. This week I shall be getting back to drinking beer once again now that Lent is finished and my alcohol-free period of six weeks is now over. Uh, and we can get back to the normal of drinking booze while at the same time discussing the latest news and trends in finance. Now, Sam, you've been able to, to be drinking during this uh, during the six-week period. So there have been a few episodes where it's just been me sober and you that's actually enjoying the beer. Uh, do you want to start us off with uh, what you've been getting up to and what beers you're on this week? I would, I would argue that you, you, you say you were the only one that was sober. I would argue that I was quite sober when I was consuming the beers. Um, I, I, well, I don't know. What's the definite? This, the, hang on. This, before I even answer that question, this, this brings up an interesting uh, conversation. What is the definition, the true definition of sober? Is it, is it below the legal driving limit or is it just flat out zero, no alcohol in the system whatsoever? It's got to be nothing, nothing in you at all. Well, I feel like then what's, what's the mid ground between sober and not, not sober? <laughs> like, well, tipsy, presumably. <laughs> but, but the, so if, if I've had two beers, I'm not tipsy. Like where, where, does, where does the unfair unfair commentary begin and end between levels of, of, of alcohol consumption. I, Cause if, if I, if, if sober is nothing, then I wasn't sober, but I also wasn't tipsy, nor was I drunk. Mm. Uh, well, I, I am reminded of a scene in uh, hell or high water. Have you seen that one with Chris Pine and uh, I can't remember the other, is it Ben yeah. Foster? Yeah. You, you Have you seen that me, one? You lost me at Chris Pine. All <laughs> oh, right. Well, it's actually one of his good movies. He, he, <laughs> that is actually definitely one of his one of his best. And it's a great film. I would I thoroughly recommend it. But anyway, it's about these bank robbers in Texas, played by Chris Pine and Ben Foster, who are uh, both uh, very very from very low income rural background, and they're robbing banks uh, on a very low scale. So they're just they're just going for the cash. They're never going for the vault. And uh, <laughs> Uh, before they rob one of these banks, it's early in the morning, and Ben Foster's character is drinking a beer just on the porch, and he uh, and uh, Chris Pine's character says, uh, "You know, I need you sober." And he chucks the bottle away and yells, uh, "Well, I didn't yell." He chucks the bottle and says, "Who gets drunk off a beer anyway?" <laughs> uh, just before they're off to go uh, uh, violently assault a bank, which uh, you know maybe maybe it asks the right question, but I think. I think Lent would have been a lot easier for me if sober meant just having a couple of beers but not getting drunk. <laughs> yeah, giving up giving up on giving up on anything that was more than a couple of beers past sober. That that would have been easier to handle. And also, you know what, that reminds me what you were saying that it reminded you of reminds me of the some of the videos that I've been seeing this week. Um, with the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial that they've been in court and and some of the videos of Johnny Depp um, in the in the sort of what is it, in the witness box or whatever um, and the 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 defense the defense being like grilling him and one of the questions was like you, you were having whiskey at at like for, you were you were you were drinking whiskey for breakfast and then he just responds with it's like it's happy hour everywhere isn't it Oh, it's just, yeah, yeah the, I, I saw a couple of clips of that as well regarding a uh, him getting up in the morning and pouring himself a quote mega pint yeah and his response is a mega pint <laughs> yeah well, well how much is a, a mega pint if uh, what, well, what's sober and how much is a mega pint maybe well, th need... these are the burning questions mm. what if if a pint is a pint what is a mega pint indeed Indeed. Is a mega pint like a just a really like full pint of which would then maybe, just be be a pint, right? Maybe it's a yard of ale, but then it would be a yard. Yeah, but maybe that's just the American term for a yard of ale because no, but Americans use yards, don't they? Yeah, well, so it's a bit like how the definitions of different sizes change depending on where you go. So, for example, and we may we have discussed this before, the difference between a pot a schooner and a pint yep. in Victoria in Australia is very different to a pot, a pony, a schooner and a pint in New South Wales, just a couple of, couple of clicks up the road from, from Victoria. And so, and so what you call a half over here, a half pint is what we call a pot. 
back in Australia. But a schooner is the, a mid-ground between a half and a pint, which you don't even get here, as far as I'm aware. Do you get? Do they have them in Scotland? Uh, no, but, well, it's not a Scottish thing. It's for the, it's the craft beer places that like doing Belgian and Dutch beers. They'll do schooners, uh, and, they'll, and that's generally a two, two-thirds of a pint uh, yeah. or a one-third. Uh, but it's always served in a schooner glass. So it's, a schooner isn't a measure rather than it's a glass. Ah, right. Because it's actually a very good size. I, I, if I had to choose one size of, of glass or whatever, or, or volume to drink, when I'm at the pub and I'm drinking beer at the tap, I think a schooner is the ideal size. On the contrary, I think the ideal size for any occasion is a mega pint. <laughs> Interpret that however you like. <laughs> well, at least we know that we are never, ever, none of us, not, not, nor the, neither you or me or anybody listening to us today, none of us are having as much fun as Johnny Depp and Marilyn Manson when because of that time when Johnny Depp gave Marilyn Manson a pill just so he would stop talking so much. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Marilyn Manson must have been having far too much fun there. What the, uh... a world. Yeah, quite. It is quite a spectacle to see Depp's sort of return to grace following the whole uh, whole Amber Heard thing. Though, I mean, he's the you know he's he, he's in court at the minute for it. I mean, the, the reason he's back in the news is because of the whole divorce proceedings and uh, and allegations oh, or whatever. Man. Well, it's not divorce proceeding, is it? I don't even know what it is. It's yeah. oh, look, there's the whole situation is pretty pretty fucked up. Let's let's not sort of beat around the bush there. Whatever the truth really is, who who knows? But um it's um i think weirdly it's going to it's going to be the the revival of his career that it's kind of tailed off over the last couple of years yeah well many things have tailed off over the last couple of years given the given the circumstances (laughs) i suppose fair point yeah and indeed you know we've not been posting booze booms and busts nearly so regularly as we would like uh but hopefully in future we shall get back to some kind of a regular cadence but no promises of course um, but Sam, what are you drinking this evening? Yeah. So tonight, uh, so the first one I've got is from the Brixton brewery. Uh, I'll give you one guess as to where you think that might be located. Um, and it's called the low voltage session IPA. Uh, it is a 4.3% session IPA, uh, a, a laid back lower strength sibling to their electric IPA. Lower voltage may be more relaxed, but it still generates a jolt of flavor from ripe, juicy, new world hops. Uh, yeah, it's actually pretty nice, to be fair. It's a good, good, oh, good, good start. Very, very kind of colorful can. I've been drinking out of cans a lot more. I, I, used, to, I used to pour them out into a glass for, for these podcasts. And then for some reason, I just felt like holding a can of beer is more physically rewarding from a tactile perspective than a glass at the moment for me for some reason I, I it's a weird thing i cannot i can't quite put my finger on but sometimes i quite like drinking out of the glass and sometimes just from the can is the way it should be drunk i feel i used to drink everything out of the can out of the bottle uh but the, i think the reason why some people uh insist on always pouring into a glass is because if you just drink it straight from the can you've not let it release a lot of its fizz yet so if you then drink it straight from the bottle straight from the can then you have food you're you get a lot of bloat right. uh, but i can i can't say drinking straight from the bottle feels much more baller yeah i think so it, it feels more genuine to the, <laughs> to the honor of the beer yeah being much more genuine to uh, to the beer by by just chugging it straight from the bottle a um, respect for the beer yeah the uh, the the beer i'm restarting booze booms and bust with i'm rebooting my drinking in this show with uh is from wales this is mad dog brewery uh, i'm currently situated in cardiff and uh sampling the the local beers mad dog has a tap room just around the corner uh, this one is called Third Eye Blind. You've got a nice Illuminati <laughs> triangle on it with some uh, Egyptian stuff, uh, an owl, a dog, uh, you know, uh, a crystal ball. Got the full full shebang. I must say, you know, uh, I got, we definitely started on a bad note with this beer as uh, we actually had to re- restart the beginning <laughs> of this recording as it 
uh, overflowed as soon as I cracked the tab at the top and uh, it wet my trousers. So I'm currently sitting here rather damp, but I'll try not to let that get in the way of my beer experience. 3.8% East Coast Pale Ale and uh, yeah, brewed in South Wales. So we'll, uh, we'll get along with that. Now, Sam, in terms of markets this week, uh, plenty to discuss. Uh, before we do get uh, right into the thick of things, uh, as it is get coming up to our 80th episode, it's thought it would be a good idea to have a little bit of a, a competition, a little bit of a giveaway. Uh, so we shall, be, uh, we shall be giving away a case of beer to one of our listeners who can answer a, a little quiz question which does relate to markets. Uh, and I, I've been trying to find this recording for a very long period of time. Uh, I had to sit through uh, quite, uh, you know, spent a few hours listening through lots of telephone recordings uh, just to find this one, I think it's about a two or three second clip. And when I eventually found it, uh, it was quite unsatisfying in how good the quality is, but I did pay uh, a sound engineer to to spruce it up a bit for me. So it does sound a bit more legible. Hopefully somebody can figure out uh, who who this is. So if you do want to enter and win a case of beer uh, from us here at Booze, Booms and Bus, all you need to do is listen in to the following clip and tell me who it is that said this and when. And after that, if you just retweet this, uh, this episode on, uh, on Twitter, and if you send us a DM with your answer, so you don't need to share the answer with the rest of the public, just DM us with the answer, retweet the, uh, the post on Twitter, and uh, yeah, you will be in with a chance of winning a case of beer. So here is the following recording. Just tell us who it is and when they said it. Bert is concerned about speculation against the leader and nothing short of that's our decision. But yeah, now getting back on to markets this week. To start us off with, Sam, is there any particular pressing topics? We really do have uh, a very target-rich environment here with the number of different things that we could discuss. Everything is uh, in flux at the minute. Uh, it is, isn't any- it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could go for anything and probably talk for hours about it, but I'll let you lead <laughs> off. You could. It is, it is shooting fish in a barrel at the moment when it comes to... Uh, Things that are, I mean, yeah, oh God, where do you start? Well, could start with could start with Netflix. Um, oh yeah, that's a good. One. The Netflix is is being crushed. Wrecked. Um, we've now. I, I'm sure. I I mean, I forget. Gen gen generally, I forget about what we've spoken about on these podcasts. Yeah. But I'm sure we've said before that Netflix has, has quite possibly, and this is some time ago, well before Netflix was crushed this week in the market, that they Netflix ironically could quite comfortably become the blockbuster of the streaming world. Yeah, we've certainly discussed Netflix quite a few times on the show. Uh, most recently, uh, I remember in one of our, uh, during, during the Lent period, I remember telling you that uh, I realized that Netflix is best consumed with alcohol. If you don't have booze when you're watching the shows, you realize how utterly bland and flavorless yeah. a lot of them are. And you, like really poor writing. Uh, you know, they're obviously very high production value. Like the camera guys uh, do some great work. Cinematography is very good. Sometimes the, the soundtrack's good. When it comes to the actual stories there and the premises, uh, very, very poor. Um, so thoroughly deserved, I think, this recent wreckage. But will they be able to bring it back? Will this inspire a golden era? Are these the hard times that create the strong men, Sam? Well, that you know, that's 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 the that's the multi-billion-dollar question, and and you, it's it's one of those things where Netflix is maybe now the contrarian play, but it it would require them. So they've you know they're going to change their business model and they're going to do all these things they have not addressed the elephant in the room which is how garbage their content is um compared to like like disney's content just keeps getting stronger and stronger amazon amazon have got see what amazon have that that uh netflix doesn't and this is a this is a significant differentiator between them is that amazon's got all this of their own original content and and a lot of it is good a lot of it is crap too. I will add, it's not. It's not. It's not like streets better than the Netflix, but it is. It is better. But Amazon have the ability to pay for something that isn't part of their prime catalog. So, like Netflix, you can't. You can't go on a Netflix and just find like a movie that 
that you pay for on the spot rather than is part of the, the, the whole service. You can do that with Amazon. So that, that inherently keeps people within Amazon's streaming platform. Disney is the king of content. Like they have nothing but content um, and have built up that catalog over fuck a hundred years or whatever. Um, and so that's the differentiator they are between Netflix is Netflix has been building their catalog for, I don't know, 20 years, not even that. Uh, so yeah, I can't see how Netflix becomes a dominant player in this space. They were a first mover, but what, what it does is it reinforces the point that being first mover gets you to a point and you've got to continue to be relevant in a marketplace. Otherwise you will get crushed. Disney's been attracting a fair, fair amount of heat as well, though, though, for rather different reasons in recent days. What, uh, well, I've missed that one. What's that over? Oh, in Florida uh, regarding the, uh, the bill on, well, what's been described as the don't say gay bill, but the bill itself doesn't actually have a say anything about saying gay. Uh, it has uh, attracted a lot of ire and a lot of people have been canceling their Disney Plus subscriptions in, in oh, protest. Oh, really? And uh, it does feel like maybe Disney have been getting into a, a political environment where uh, as a profit-making enterprise, it's maybe best to avoid. <laughs> I think Disney have always been in that political theater, haven't they? Uh, always, always towing the ultra conservative line. Uh, I wouldn't say in this case, but uh, I'll let you make your own mind up on it and, uh, yeah. and see. I have to see blow this one up. <laughs> well, well, it, it boil it down, and, and ultimately, I think you know Amazon t t continues to just dominate them all. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I'm. Uh, I'm so I'm always on the verge of canceling Netflix, but then they do one series where it's like, oh, I really want to watch that. But I wonder if it's I wonder if it's worth it. You know what? I'm gonna I should do it. I should do it. No, just do I it, Sam. Do it. Just do it. Oh, do you know why I can't? Do you know why I can't do it? Because there's a whole bunch of programs on their kids um, kids section that my son loves. Oh, Literally, damn. I think the the only people that the only people the only person that watches Netflix in our household now is my three year old son, just because of Charlie's Colorform City, uh, Little Baby Boss, and a bunch of other sub <laughs> sub school age children's programs. That's how they get you. They get I can't you look him case. in the eye when he when he comes to me and goes, "Dad, where's whatever?" And I'm just like, "Sorry, mate, I cancelled Netflix." He'd be like, "No." Damn, that'd make a good ad. Maybe that's what Netflix should plow out an ad where it's like, just don't cancel it because your kids will hate you or something. Maybe that'll keep the subscribers coming. That maybe that's the, maybe that's the only way they survive is they just focus all their content on kids' content because no parent is going to cancel Netflix on their kids if if that's all that they they enjoy. Hmm. On the subject of Prime and things that we've discussed in the past, well, I was very surprised to see that uh, Amazon Prime had already got rights to the new Bond movie, uh, something which we uh, discussed at length mm -hmm. uh, in previous episodes. It seemed pretty quick off the bat that they'd been able to, to just give that to anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels like the Bond movies would sell anything to anyone at the right price. Mm, true. And sell Amazon's likes. got the money for it. Yeah, something got plenty of money. That's for sure. Speaking of plenty of money, did we talk about this last time we record? We recorded this about, about Elon buying Twitter. Yes, I think, but this was kind of at the very beginning of that sort of drama. Now he's sort of up the ante. Uh, so I think last time we discussed this, he just got his stake in Twitter. That's right. Well, I think and we mooted the idea of him buying Twitter as a hostile takeover, did we? Or I. You were definitely uh, saying that uh, Elon wasn't going to join the board because that wasn't yeah. going to allow him to do what he wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, so that we were definitely definitely in that direction. Um, yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Eh? I think he'll get it. I don't see how they could say no to that. The offer is the offer's good. The offer's really good. Well, they could and say the price, they want a higher price. Uh, which he wouldn't be able to afford. So if they said, oh, well, you know, Twitter used to be $80 a share. Why can't you give us $80 a share? They could. I think that they would then get sued by a lot of major holders in the stock. 
and the board would be ousted and they'd sell up anyway. I think that I, th- I, I genuinely think the offer's high enough because I think it wasn't it like 38% over the price that he paid when he bought his stock. Right. Or something like that. So, which again, if any, any company that's, that's a good off. That's a good offer. I, I think, I think they would, I don't think they can. I, don't, I honestly don't think they can deny it, which then will make it interesting because he is, is almost certainly going to take it private. Yeah. Well, I think he's, he's I think he's made that very clear. And it, I think it does, uh, it does speak to his great gamesmanship that uh, he has them where he wants them because if he doesn't, uh, he doesn't buy it. If the if the buyout doesn't take place and he just dumps his, his stake, uh, the stock is just getting absolutely wrecked and the board members are going to just look like absolute idiots to in front of all the shareholders. I wonder, so what What did he... See, there's, there's, there is space... In the markets, for if if you're not if you're not looking to make huge, you know, hundred percent returns and above, there is there is space in the market to to capitalize on these sorts of deals when they get announced, because realistically, I think his offer was over fifty dollars a share. It was like fifty two or something, I think. And Twitter's trading at forty eight. Like, if you're confident enough that that the deal is going to get done. There's a, there's a pretty comfortable little premium there. I mean, the risk that, and the reason it's trading where it is now is that risk that the deal doesn't go through, but you know, this, these are the sorts of decisions that, you know, big investors will make is that they'll take a position on this on the basis that it completes clip out with from here, what would be about a 10% gain and then just be out. <laughs> so, I mean, it's for, for for those with the with the risk appetite for it it's a, it's money for jam right certainly but i think we are avoiding the elephant in the room here uh and it was very interesting to see uh, coverage in the ft today uh describing musk's uh bid for twitter without mentioning even once the topic of content moderation on twitter no no mention of free speech in musk's uh declaration that free speech is obviously being threatened in twitter you're not getting good content moderation and uh twitter you know is arbitrarily banning people for having the wrong opinions etc there was no commentary on that whatsoever and similarly there's been no commentary that i've seen from the mainstream press that says there are some stakeholders in twitter who aren't interested in monetary reward but more the uh the control over discourse as Twitter has become, you know, especially during the Trump era has become Mm. such a very important public commons for discourse on political issues, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of people don't want someone like Musk, who obviously has a uh, much more laissez-faire view of what free speech should be in charge of Twitter. And I think when you put it in those terms and you consider that intangible asset that Twitter has, you can see why some stakeholders would not want Musk involved because they were never in it for monetary reward in the first place. They were more interested in controlling the the public commons. Yes. It's an interesting, do you know what? So that that also raises an interesting topic um, about who really has the right to decide if a company, a public company, should be sold? Yeah. The market? The shareholders? The board? Yeah, right. Exactly. The public? Yeah. The people who the use users. Twitter, like the actual yeah. Twitter users. You know, if, if, if there was a... Imagine that Twitter put up a one-time poll from the Twitter head tweet account, fucking Twitter, at Twitter... And everyone who uses Twitter got got a vote, but only one vote. And it was, should we sell the company to Elon Musk? Thing is, that what do you poll, reckon the outcome would be? That poll would get gamed by their own employees who didn't want it to happen because they know how Twitter works and the polling works. You know, 
Yeah, I know what you're saying. And 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 it would probably also get gamed by bots as well. Yeah. <laughs> Which ironically is one of the things that Musk has come out and said that they plan to eradicate, even if it kills them, is mm. is Twitter bots. And to verify that to verify every proper human as a human and get rid of the bots. Which if they could if they could do that, that would actually make Twitter even more powerful as as a as a sort of forum for discussion and debate than it than it currently has become sure i mean i uh i yeah what do you think what do you think okay say this poll is completely uh reflective true every user who is an active user votes what do you think would be the the outcome sam if if you could eliminate gaming it and 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 getting rid of bots and all that sort of stuff and, and every human had a vote, I reckon it would be an absolute landslide that it gets sold to him. Mm. Yeah. I'd probably I wouldn't say a landslide, but I'd imagine quite a lot of people would be. The I'd say over 65%. Really? Yeah. Mm. I think it'd be more of a close run thing. Uh, maybe in the fifties, but you know, ultimately, I've I've no idea because Twitter is very good at c- kind of keeping you in your own bubble. <laughs> yeah. So you, you can't you can't uh, trust exactly what you know. Every you think that everyone thinks these things that you see on your timeline, yeah. and you really it, it really doesn't work that way. But I wonder, Sam, if we're barking up completely the wrong tree, and we're actually being led down the garden path by musk who actually doesn't care whatsoever about twitter and this is just another ploy to stay in the news all the time because musk knows that longer you as long as you keep staying in the news you'll keep getting hype about uh, you and your your companies that you're affiliated with and that will help drive uh, perception of your stock i wonder if this is all just one massive uh it's not misdirection or maybe it is it is misdirection it's just all a uh, attention seeking act it's an expensive one if that's the case because if the board votes to sell then he's he's in i think the the figures were he's in personally for like 21 billion dollars or something sure but if the alternative is uh, you lose everything it's a, it's a cheap price to pay. Like if if the whole thing you're riding on is your recognition and people to continue thinking of you and putting, uh, you know, your headline up there and more people to buy crazy call options on Tesla stock, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and you're just, you know, you just need to keep playing at the table. You need to keep making big bets. You can't afford not to stay in the press. And this is just, this could be just his latest way of, of doing so. And of course, if it, it, it is successful, he can effectively force this by uh, messing around with whatever uh, Twitter's content moderation is to ensure that he is always somehow uh, trending to some degree or other. <laughs> I wonder what it would do to Tesla's stock if he if he's successful in his bid. Mm. Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? Uh, what, what, what indeed? Because they've <coughs> they've just reported like a was it like a three billion dollar profit or something for the first quarter. Oh, so yeah, it is. Surely this wouldn't detract from it. You would think, anyway. At what point? So there were there were there was um there were some critics of Jack Dorsey when he was running Square and Twitter that he had he was too thinly spread across them both, and yet here's Musk with Tesla, SpaceX, now potentially owning Twitter. I mean, not at to what mention point- boring company, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or not that other shit. At what point, like, it <laughs> the market doesn't play fair; they play favorites, and uh, and Elon is certainly one of the favorites. He could have ten fucking companies that he's the CEO of, and no one would care. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, which makes me think that this is all just the next. It's just staying relevant. It's just staying top of the news. Well, he's good at it. He's he's the king of the one man PR bandwagon it's like did you see was it uh, him rolling into that tesla con or whatever the other day and um what was he He was coming into dr dre and in his tesla roadster with the top down it was it was very uh very iron man (laughs) i know i hadn't seen it oh dear you yeah you when you see the video i'll I'll show you send you the link it's it's ridiculous (laughs) And it is, but it is, it's just like he, he genuinely thinks he's Tony Stark, which 
is if you've you know if you've got the resources to do that i mean i to be fair i'd probably do the same thing <laughs> but it's it, it, it's like it's kind of i don't know if there's like a weird parallels like i know you've got your views on the um when iron man the first movie was released and the the economic environment at the time i wonder if if elon's move to become the modern iron man at the moment is also a ref- similar reflection but art playing out in real life yeah i mean robert downey jr said that elon musk was the the carrot there was an individual he caught he took his personification of iron man from so who's what is art imitating life here or is life imitating art or what or is it art imitating life imitating art yeah i guess that that would probably be the best best description of it though it's interesting if you go back to 2008 so elon musk was yet to be a household name really uh, it wasn't yeah it well, wasn't. exactly and yet so i guess this is robert downey jr being really ahead of the curve um, i wonder how <laughs> yeah, how responsible yeah. robert downey jr is then for musk's success because people do now do you know just as you have uh, compare them uh, in the same sentence that's a fair question if if iron man the movies <clears throat> had never existed because the comic was always popular but not like not no. like what the movies did for it yeah. um if if that hadn't if they'd never existed would we be talking about him in the same Elon way Musk. today yeah and and, exactly. and we'll never know unless we unless we find a way into the multiverse we'll never we'll never know yeah wait for musk's ted talk on exactly this topic sam yes next exactly. time he's running out of ideas on how to stay relevant um, th- there's a question for you there because i i heard somebody else mentioning ted talks here. and ted talks still a thing like is is ted a thing still do people still they do got that? they got really really politically engaged if you know what i mean uh, and uh, i think that detracted somewhat from uh, their uh from their uh popularity though it could be i could maybe maybe they're still playing them out but uh Oh yeah, I'm sure they are still playing them out. I mean, there's no way they stopped, but because they used to be like a, quite a good thing. Yeah, really. yeah. That's like it's like a noughties internet thing. Remember, we're like yeah. everyone's like, oh yeah, the internet's so good. You can watch these TED talks TED on talk. YouTube. It's great. Yeah, and then but then then they had like TEDx and and all these like iterations oh, yeah. and variations of it. Oh Same. yeah, yeah, Te- yeah. And you got some wild ones at TEDx, didn't you? Um, there was Sam Hyde from Million Dollar Extreme doing his 2070 paradigm shift. Where uh, he was just taking the piss out of TEDx talks without, uh, and, and you know, people just gr- gradually realized during his performance where he's dressed up as a Roman gladiator and uh, speaking a lot of buzzwords and uh, while mixing in various li- politically incorrect jokes. And people, you just see everyone sort of slowly realize that they they are the butt of the joke. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty good. Uh, though, yeah, of course, it's not on the official TEDx account after they realized that. Uh, but yeah, TEDx, there was some wild stuff in TEDx. Um, mm. I, now I think about it, though, it's hard for me to remember any TED talk that really stuck with me. Uh, I must have seen quite a few of those, but... I, I, one, one, one series stuck with me, and it was, I think it was, is it Sir Nigel Robson? He did, the, he did a lot of TED talks on the education system and education. Right. He did a couple of TED talks that stuck with me, um, but aside from that, you're right. I can't remember any of great note. Yeah, there were some weird ones. I mean, yeah, I I just remember maybe a couple of the weird ones. I mean, there was that hedge fund guy who then got really into crocheting and stuff, and he just like <laughs> crocheted like massive boulders and hospitals and stuff. Like, he well, would, well, that became a them. thing. That became a thing, right? Where like. Like people would go and like crochet bomb the streets. Yeah, that was that was him that started it. I think. Oh, really? So that was maybe why he was invited uh, uh. because he was this. Yeah, uh, and then there was. I remember. Yeah, I do remember some really weird stuff. Like I remember a TEDx talk by some like former U.S. soldier with like, well, what does it mean when someone says thank you for your service? And I don't even know why I watched it because it's such an American thing to thank soldiers for their service. Like here in the Brit- in Britain, like you wouldn't you wouldn't say that. Um, and yeah, and I remember watching that, and it was it must have been a TEDx one. Very American, small. isn't it? Very American. Yeah, thank you for your service. Thank you um, for thank you for 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 war. Yeah, well, well, thank you for protecting this country and uh, 
you know, fighting the good fight, etc. That's so you could go. That's so deep. Just that very concept of thank you for your service. There's so many layers you could unpick from that. Yeah, and you it, the tone in which you say it. I mean, yeah. what? someone could think you're taking the piss. Yeah. I, a friend of mine's in the Navy, and uh, occasionally uh, some of mm. uh, my friend group have, uh, have mockingly said, thank you. For, have you even thanked him for his service? <laughs> you know, uh, and because he's always say, well, it's just a job. You know, it's not, uh, it's not a big deal. But yeah, we have these different perceptions of what military service is, public service. Of course, public service, civil service, like is not seen. It, when you see the amount of corruption that we've we've seen in recent years, or maybe it's just it's simply been exposed to the extent it has, our perception of public office, public service has degraded, I think, by quite a degree. But yeah. I wonder when, what decade would people have really felt so strongly about it? You know, when, when, <laughs> when would have we have really, you know, with great, you know, hushed tones talked about oh, the civic duties, you know? Could you could you imagine going down to the local council and and trying to get a, a permit for something and and telling the the receptionist thanking thank you for your service yeah yeah thank, I remember thank, thank you for the two hour wait I had here today my, one of my former bosses uh, her husband uh, worked at it was a university administrator and he got an OBE. And he would wear his OBE at like every uh, every um, like public function, pretty much. Like any excuse he could to put on a suit and wear his OBE, he would. And uh, and you know his ex. So this is uh, my former boss, who was uh, his was divorced from this guy. Uh, she would say OBE stands for other buggers' efforts. He never like he did not do anything. Yeah, this guy was totally trying to to, to load it up and get as much respect as he could. Uh, for just for having this medal and there's something i don't know it makes me cringe thinking of somebody wearing an obe like at every opportunity that really makes me just oh yeah it, it seems to it, it seems a bit of a stretch i you know i was at the um i was at a, a pharmacy today and uh as as i was getting served somebody that was served in front of me was well sort of next to me they have two two registers um he said to the she wasn't the pharmacist but she was one of the people that works in the pharmacy uh she said he said um to him thank you for all you do oh man and i was i was like i was taken a bit aback by that to be honest mate that makes me cringe so bad (laughs) is that that I, i thought it might i just found it so strange like I'm all for saying thank you to people who, you know, serve me at, you know, the pharmacy, you know, I pay for, pay for the, the child's paracetamol and, and, and I leave and I say, thanks, bye. But it's not like, thank you for all you do seems to be a bit over, a bit of an overreach. Thank you, Sam, for all that you do, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> It's like it felt very much like the let's stand on the doorstep and clap at five o'clock every day. Big time, big time. Do you remember that? There was that. Uh, that was that image that was made at the beginning of the pandemic during the lockdowns. And you'll love this because you love your yeah, you know, a bit of the old cape shit. But where <laughs> it was one of these deviant art artists had just done a, an image of a, a hospital hallway, uh, the corridor just lined with all of these superheroes bowing their heads as some nurses wearing masks walked up it. And it became a meme because people would replace the nurses with uh, other figures. But, uh, you know, it was just, it it spoke very much of the time of how suddenly everyone just wanted to see people working in the health service as these, you know, not even like almost spiritual figures. You know, these are heroes who should bring, you know, tears to your eyes. And it's quite remarkable. Uh, now, not to say, you know, there weren't incredibly hard shifts that were done, not to say yeah, incredibly yeah. hard work that was done. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, during, say, for you know, the invasion of Iraq or Afghanistan, I mean, you had guys getting blown to pieces. And I don't remember anyone, anyone getting all their kids to draw rainbows and then uh, to then put that piece of paper on the on the living room window or yeah. the kitchen window to make sure everyone sees that you are feeling very you know, just thinking about the troops. Um, I, I wonder what, 
what's the what what drives these things now who like when was the last time that everyone decided to get on their doorstep and clap for um all the bankers that provided everyone with the mortgage to buy the fucking house that they live in I mean, I, I, I don't I say that. I don't say that. I don't say that. This. I say <laughs> that. I say that flippantly, but also half not flippantly, because without that, um, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't have a doorstep to stand on to to clap. <laughs> I'm Can just, we have a moment of silence, please, for the banks that were lost in 2008? <laughs> what, what should we wear uh, as our? Uh, yeah, Look, I, don't we... get me wrong. I I I, I dislike elements of the banking industry as much as the next person but you know i just i don't know people are very selective of who they thank for the world that they live in yeah certainly certainly well i think it's more people want to be led and they want to have idols uh and they you know and so in in the in the pandemic like they love doing that people love getting emotional about nurses you know they really just wanted to uh, to cry about how incredible nurses are they're really into that uh, and I think the issue with that is, is that so I've got I've got a couple of friends that are, that are nurses and they do a great job and they're fantastic at what they do and but they 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 do it all the time. <laughs> you it's know a job. I mean? Yeah, and it is to them it is that they talk about it and they're like you know it is it's it's a job they do they do have impact they impact people's lives as much as other people in other jobs but it's even they were just I know they didn't even feel right about that whole situation back then but again not to diminish what anyone does because everyone has different roles in the community and nurses and doctors and plays an important role as the people that literally collect the garbage from out the front of your house because i guarantee you if they stopped picking up the garbage everyone's life would get a lot fucking worse so you know you've got to kind of have a modicum of uh, balance with these sorts of things and you know thanking the thanking the military for their service uh, and the bankers for providing you with the house that you live in and um, your chemist apparently and the chemist and pharmacist for all that they do yeah um it just feels like if we're going to thank one person let's fucking thank them all we won't have much time to do anything else but we'll be on our doorsteps clapping a lot you see this is why you know people should just this i think this maybe illustrates the sort of the rise of secularism, right? Through Christianity, this is actually, you know, this is, you, you do this every time you eat, right? You say grace and you thank the Lord for providing you with everything you've got. No, I don't. Like that, you thank, so in doing so, you <laughs> thank everybody, right? You've already said thanks. You don't have to say thanks individually to every single person that you, you interact with in the street. You know what, that, maybe that's what we should do. Just wake up in the morning, look at the ceiling, go, ah. Thanks. I've woken up for another day. Yeah, it's still alive. Let's, let's crack on. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that covers all professions. It covers all religions. It covers everything molecular and atomic and spiritual. Just I don't think it covers all thanks. religions, but yeah. I mean, it could do. Uh, well, why not? It could do. Well, you know, I think. Uh, I, I, I'm just trying to make the argument here that maybe people have lost touch <laughs> with a lot of systems that previously existed to take care of all of this. Um, well, maybe we only need one system, just a, a ceiling, a ceiling thanks <laughs> while lying on your back first thing in the morning. Yeah, yeah, they're called morning prayers, Sam, and morning prayers. Maybe that's just what people need to get back to. Though I, I do like how far we have deviated <laughs> from our, our normal subject matter of, uh, of beer and finance. And sometimes we yeah. get phil philosophical. Hey, thanks for the markets for, for turning, a, you know, a thousand pounds into a hundred this week. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for the theater. It's been great. Constantly stimulating. Now, Sam, I'm on my second beer now. Well, uh, have you got a rating for your first? Uh, yeah, um, I do have a rating for it. Somewhere in here, I'm thinking, oh, look, it's all right. Yeah, I don't know really what to say about it. It was just kind of like, <laughs> it was meh. It was meh. I'm just going to give it an A. It's an, a meh A. All right, yeah. Uh, yeah, the first one I did, Mad Dog Brewery, I would give it a B minus, I think. Um, yeah, third eye blind with the Illuminati symbolism. 
yeah, it's uh, yeah, not too bad, but not the bee's knees either. Uh, and of course, it did spill on me at the beginning, which wasn't the great way to start a start a relationship. It's like so, you're holding it against the beers. You bastard! You've spilled all of my trousers. You should have canned this better. Uh, um, I want to. So I'll, I'll 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 talk about what I'm drinking next briefly, and then I'll let you do yours. But then I want to ask you a question um, about something. Um, so my second beer is the Jubal beer cut with peach session lager, four percent. I've um, had that one. I've I've not had this before, um, but it it seems very direct. A beer cut with peach. I don't I don't really know what the term cut, cut with peach. Yeah, yeah. It's like drugs that you're 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 pouring salt into the cocaine or something. Yeah, it's like if beer was just like one powder that you put into a big vat of water and it became beer. So it's like they like cut it with dried peach beforehand, mixed it all up, snorted it, and then just like spat it into the water. Maybe it's mm. what maybe that's what Johnny Depp was on uh with Marilyn Manson was 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 pills and stuff cut with peach. A mega um, pint cut a mega with- pint of 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 pills cut with peach um but anyway I'll, I'll i'll crack into that uh yeah second one i'm on is fuggles gold with uh gold nail small batch delicate floral aroma 3.8 percent abv by spillsbury and jones brewing company uh mm-hmm. yeah a nice gold nail i do like a nice gold nail uh this yeah. is from worcestershire and uh yeah very nice so far very nice so far <laughs> i love i love that county name worcestershire because mm-hmm. like as a as a foreigner i'd call myself a foreigner you come to this country and you look at a name like that and you would go worcestershire yeah yeah no no it's it's how you weed them out yeah it's how you when they don't have an accent like sam you need another system for weeding out who's who's the real local people pointing he says worcestershire foreigner Get him pitchforks and flaming torches um earlier you mentioned uh earlier i say earlier but off uh, before we started this podcast and i want to ask you what the what the fuck this was about but you said in this episode sending scam nfts to hitler and that to be fair that really caught my attention and um we, i probably should ask you this at the start of the show because i was I'm, I was quite excited to call this show sending scam nfts to hitler but we've neither covered covered scam nfts or hitler we've we've got very philosophical about saying thanks to a ceiling and um uh, and Netflix and Elon as Tony Stark. So yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah, I, I, I probably should have mentioned this earlier, shouldn't I? Uh, that, yeah, before everyone will have tuned off at this point. Like no no one, everyone's like, nah, these guys are just talking about absolute nonsense. These guys have been I've on pills with Johnny Depp and Marilyn Manson. <laughs> right, I've had enough of the show. Well, I was I was saying like... Um, so if you if you are if you buy any NFTs, non-fungible tokens, you're in the crypto space and you're you're an NFT collector or speculator, or maybe you just own some for fun, or maybe you don't actually own any NFTs and you just happen to have uh, an Ethereum wallet or a Solana wallet or a Binance Smart Chain wallet or whatever, and it just your wallet name, your wallet address has been active in such a way that a scam artist tries to get you by sending an NFT to your wallet that directs you to a website. Uh, and says, you know, claim your free reward here. Mm. Right? Uh, and this is something uh, I've seen quite a few. And I was just wondering what you do with these NFTs. Because when you think about it, you don't, because you don't actually, unless you want to do the, the real research and figure out what exactly is in the NFT or whether or not it's the application you're being sent to that's going to rip you off. You don't really know what to do with the NFT itself because you don't want to interact with it at all. Mm. Uh, because maybe by interacting with it and just sending it, something bad might happen, that kind of thing. Um, but I was thinking, uh, I, w- I was just thinking of what you meant to do with these. And uh, I was also thinking of the, the domain address ecosystem that you now get. And uh, you'll find that uh, all of the, all the popular names for, for example, you know, boaz.eth, boaz.sol, or sam.eth or .sol uh, have, been, have been taken already a long, long time ago by, by speculators. We also find that, uh, that uh, you know, people have gone for the really politically incorrect ones as well. So hitler.sol, hitler.eth will have already been taken. Oh, yeah. So I was thinking, maybe you should just sell, send all of your scam NFTs uh, to, to, to these addresses. Because like, what are they going to do? I mean, they are they gonna they're gonna call up and be like, 
So are they going to appeal to the authorities and say, uh, you know, I've been someone's trying to scam me? I mean, mm. oh, oh, what's the response going to be? Uh, yes, we'll, we'll <laughs> yes, look right Mr. into Hitler. it, Mr. <laughs> Hitler. Uh, yeah, we'll get on that right away. So uh, I would just think maybe we should just send all all of your scam NFTs to Hitler as uh, as just the the general repository for whenever you receive them. What do you think? So I've got a, I wouldn't call it form in this space, but maybe. Um, so I've got a few I've got a few scam NFTs on on wallets here and there. I've also I also got I also got scammed the other day from one of these scams. So like one of the one of the common thing what did common, it ask you to send it to hitler and you did <laughs> no it's well to be fair it's a pretty stupid it's pretty stupid on my part to be fair kind of i wrote about it um in some of my editorial this week um one of the things that that's happening on twitter at the moment is scammers are buying verified accounts right so they're buying the verified blue tick accounts of legitimate verified blue tick people on twitter and what they're doing is they're then renaming the account and the handle yeah. to elon musk to right. yeah but not some somebody so prominent but like a very yeah. big nft project or crypto project they're tagging a bunch of people about airdrops and giveaway well not so much giveaways but mainly airdrops and things like that so it's playing on sort of two common things at the moment nfts and airdrops because there's a fuck ton of airdrops at the moment and some of them are really fucking valuable um, the, the the number of airdrops in the Cosmos ecosystem at the moment is off the hook. Anyway, so I I was tagged by one of these verified blue tick Twitter accounts, and at the time I was like, it smells a bit like a scam. But then I was like, well, it's a blue tick verified Twitter account. Oh, well, they got you. And so they kind of got me. The and and so I was like, oh hey, yeah, I'll I'll jump on and I'll have a look and see what the fuck this is all about. And and so I did, but did they inside, ask you inside I knew that it was a scam still, and it was a so it was a malicious smart contract, and so that when you interacted <clears throat> with it to claim the airdrop, it nicked all the NFTs that were in in your wallet. Now, just the NFTs. Just the NFTs. So I I before I actually connected to it, I did still have the wherewithal to to connect with a virtually empty wallet shitty wallet right yeah it had and they had like six bucks worth of eth in it for just transaction fees and um and it had a, a completely worthless ens domain name on it um that i would what was the ens domain name can you reveal um i was can't it? remember which one was it hitler.eth it wasn't hitler.eth that's probably actually really valuable you know it is there will be yeah anyway so i i i interacted with the smart contract it was like three bucks in a transaction fee and i went and had a look at the wallet and some people had put some people had gotten really scammed like there was a mutant yacht ape club a mutant ape yacht club on there there was a a, a couple of azukis um you know there, there was it, it was a pretty pretty well run organized scam and it was pretty fucking sophisticated but i fell for it um right. but yeah and but then the, so then I was like, eh, well, maybe. And then I was actually thinking, I was going, I've actually got some scam NFTs on some of my other wallets. I wonder if I could send those to that particular address. Yeah, why not? But my thought is is, and this is where I don't know, and this is where maybe somebody, if somebody's listening, does know. With those, if if by sending them, is that going to trigger these? Yeah. Like, is, is that, that an interaction? Is that the interaction that triggers them, or is it? What is it that actually makes that happen? Because I know it's a similar sort of thing, right? I would imagine that if you enact the transaction, then everything in that wallet gets nicked. I my my assumption is you the smart, malicious smart contract only exists in the in the place that they're sending you to, rather than in the NFT itself. But then at the same time, is that a risk you really want to take with a with a wallet that you're using a lot? Uh, yeah. The only way to tell is if you send all of the valuable items away from that wallet. And then try sending it, and then send all your stuff back. But, yeah, that's uh, that's not a bad shout. Is to just move them out of that wallet, and then 
move the good stuff out the wallet and then try moving them. Um, Which actually, to be fair, if you've got a bunch of NFTs, if anyone listening's got a bunch of NFTs and it's all on one wallet, do yourself a favor and diversify your security a bit and move them to some to some other wallets. Um, just yeah. in case by chance you do, even, you know, I've been around this fucking space long enough that I should know better and kind of did know better, but still got suckered in anyway. And luckily, as I said, I connect, made sure at least I connected with it basically with a dead wallet. Um, if you got valuable NFTs, even more than one, hold them on different wallets for God's sake. Yeah. Just so that if, yeah. if by chance you were scammed, you're not going to lose everything. And even if you're, even if you're not, even if you're not uh, worried about that so much, I mean, there's a, there's uh, there are people who can identify you based on your NFTs. So if you ever brag about owning an NFT, then that can then get linked to your wallet and they will then link that wallet to all the other transactions. So they'll know an awful lot about you, which you wouldn't want anyway. So you should always have rare NFTs or, or anything that you've spent a lot of money on in separate wallets away from, uh, from your, from your core ones yeah. in the first place. Indeed. Warning for the wise security is paramount and be scams are getting far more sophisticated and slick. Like, did you read, there was some of those ones that like, these people, they've basically been catfished for like months on end by scammers to get them out of all their valuable NFTs and, and crypto values. Like the lengths that, that some of these scammers are going to now is it's almost commendable. <laughs> well, it, it, it's the same amount of effort that a professional con man would use when trying to trick somebody out of their fortune in TradFi. I mean, it, it, this is reflective of the amount of value that now exists in, in the yeah. cyberspace realm. And with catfishing, it's easier than you don't actually have to dress up in person and pretend to be uh, somebody who you're not. This yeah, time you, you can just, just send a little sit there in your joggers, <laughs> scotting yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a wild world. But yeah, I, yeah, maybe I need to find out. Maybe I need to start sending some, some scam NFTs to Hitler and then we'll just see what happens. We'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to try. We'll, we'll report back and see if we can, uh, see if we can arrange for this to happen. It's yeah. going to cost a fuck. It's, do you know what though? The annoying thing is if you should try and do it, try and do it on a chain that's not Ethereum because it costs so much in transaction fees to just move shit around. Come to Solana. It's where the sun shines. <laughs> the sun shines out of Solana's a-holes. <laughs> well, what, what's your thinking on that? Well, what are you, what is your thinking on the Ethereum uh, Solana? Because I don't, they're not always in in conflict with each other. Um, no, no, I just want somebody to create a fucking standard where you can have one NFT and it can be multi-chain. I know there's a bit going on in that space at the moment um, where you could you could take you you could send your your NFT from Ethereum to Solana to Binance Chain to Tezos to fucking Secret Network to whatever you wanted to, and it would be the same, um, you know, the same. NFT, same provenance, same rarity, all those sorts of things, but it would be multi-chain. That's but but each chain has its own culture. It's like this is like an immigration <coughs> debate. This is effectively just an immigration. What was that debate. you were talking earlier about secularism? Yeah. Yeah. This is this is each chain has its own culture. So all the blue chip NFTs in each chain are quite different and they resemble some of the traits that exist in that own chain. And so people don't want the other chain's assets invading coming into their space and that's why maybe i think that we've not seen they, they so don't much want to of that. dilute their value right well, i don't think i don't think it's about that so much i just don't think people want to see bored apes and solana and i don't think why what's um, i don't but so I, I, what's why what yeah, difference good, should what difference want. should the blockchain to it make i don't know is it, this is just a gut reaction on my side i don't think i think you're right, i don't think there'd right. be a market for it because in Ethereum, like it's the Ethereum community that built board apes to the point that they are. It's not, it's not Solana. It's not so. And the people who are whales, if you're a whale in one, you're probably not a whale in the other. I would say that's my, that, that's my assumption. And yeah, it's the I, whales who've really made all of the money. So I don't yeah. feel like the whales in Solana want to bid some other chains NFTs. I think you're right. And I think there's that element of, of what we've talked about before about of, of this, you know, deep tribalism within. Uh, crypto and different communities and blockchains and stuff but i think at the end of the day they talk they talk they talk the talk you know we're building a community we're building a brand we're going to be global 
and yet they refuse to even enter in entertain the concept of multi-chain nfts it's like mm. well what, what what what's what's really your your mode motive uh, operation here i, uh, I would i think I, I i don't see i do not see i cannot understand why it makes a difference i don't well i don't think it's actually that important i don't think there's that much of a market for it that's why it's not happened I don't necessarily think that it's a market issue. It just should be a ease of use issue. Okay, well, tell me, why do you want to get a board ape on Binance Smart Chain? What's the point? Oh, uh, what if I it, maybe it's cheaper to move from one wallet to another, or maybe there's a maybe maybe there's an art store that has a better marketplace that I want to sell it on, or maybe the people that probably I want the to sell art store should be the multi-chain one, not the NFT. Well, it shouldn't make it. It shouldn't make a difference. I mean, ultimately, I mean, I see what you're saying, but I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't know. I just don't see why chain the chain should make a difference. If, for example, there are copies of board apes on Solana on all every fucking chain has copies of it. Yeah, that's true. Clones. But, so Same none of them, and none of them are the original. But why shouldn't they? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it comes back to the, you know, should is there even a need for more than one blockchain for this this sort of thing? I I just I I don't think there's anything. I don't think that there's that much standing in the way of it. It's just there isn't a massive market for it outside of each each one's chain. So people who are big on apes are big in ETH, uh, and same and same with punks. I I just don't think there's. I think the people in Solana, for example, are trying to get their own vert their own blue chip rather than try in, in the Solana ecosystem than trying to get an Ethereum one. But that's just my, uh, that's just my sort of gut instinct. Mm. I, I, but I don't think, I think that will happen eventually. I don't, uh, I don't think there'll be any problem to it, but it does feel like each, color, each chain has its own culture, each chain has its own big NFT artists. And that's why they remain quite uh, closed off in that way. But eventually uh, there'll be a lot of interchain operability. I think there'll be, and you know, there'll be massive promise or there'll be a massive bid for the NFT project that aims to be uh, the first minted multi-chain. So on every single chain, you could mint it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think maybe that's more, I think maybe that's more the, the sort of point maybe I'm getting, trying to get to is that the ability to multi-chain mint because like you say, maybe the, it's somewhat irrelevant as to what chain it actually then exists on. Arguably, what's a, do you really need a multi-chain mint though if you can, if there are just enough swaps and good good enough routing uh, cross-chain? Well, can yeah, you know, that, that is, that's also true. It's just, you know, how you can, how you can, can, can route through the different chains, bridge. I don't know. It just seems like it takes, seems like the more important part with each of the communities is the underlying chain rather than the actual NFT itself. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, would, I would argue that the chain is more important uh, when it comes to what is actually being achieved. So I think an eight by itself, if you just printed one out, is, is just a piece of shit. But if you... It's the fact that this was an NFT that was minted on a very good chain quite early on, uh, and it has a big community on chain. That is what get. That's what lends it its value. Well, the interesting thing is something like Board Apes weren't minted early on. Do you know what I mean? No, they were no, they were minted. They caught a. Um, they caught just a spark of the moment. You know, not through any. I think intention. I think it was more the sheer luck that that they caught on and became a thing. Sure, but uh, well, it's still the, the the chain and the community that makes them valuable, valuable rather than the art in itself. Yeah, which I think is a, a bit of a shame because I think it takes away from genuine artists that are looking to try and utilize this space for you know genuine purposes. Is that the selection of the chain that they use is more important than the artwork they end up producing? Well, in the case of Bored Apes, I think you're you're barking up the wrong tree. As the artist uh, was paid uh, shit all for all the art they 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 made for Bored Apes, and they don't earn any of the money that uh, has since been made. Probably so, goes some uh, way to describing how good a quality the artwork is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't think 
Yeah, I, I think I think the the thing with NFTs remains the community remains and remains the strength of the the ecosystem it's in, which is the chain that it's in uh, yeah. and the culture that then develops around that, um, rather than the art itself. That would be my uh, that would be my my take on it because NFTs do uh, yeah some some NFTs at least are are trying to become more than simply uh, a profile picture and the, the things you can do with that while some are uh you know much more just saying we're only a profile picture there's no utility therefore we're not securities and the regulators please don't please don't come for us uh, which i think is uh, is reasonable as well this is also this is all still an experiment so oh, yeah well, well it's gonna it'll be interesting how it plays out over the next kind of well, the first NFT cycle was 2017, 2021 was the second. So maybe it's a um, NFT cycle. Maybe the new stock to flow will be on NFTs every four year halving cycle when the next boom will be 2025, the next NFT boom. Mm. Yeah, maybe plan B will find a, a plan C when it comes to- A plan to NFT perhaps. Plan NFT, yeah. Yeah, why not? Why not? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go now and see if that Twitter handle Plan NFT is uh, is available. Somebody's got to have taken it. Maybe maybe the Sol domain though is still open if uh, if you want to take it. <laughs> Hitler Hitler Plan NFT dot solve. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Plan NFT. Yeah. This is that we've come quite a this has been quite a round trip discussion i must say uh, but we now have discussed sending scam nfts to hitler so uh, we can get that in the title now and uh, while at the same time having a uh, a competition for giving away a case of beer so this should be uh, a strong episode uh, episode 79 sam how would you rate your second beer i am i'm really liking beer cut with peach all it, right it is very it, it is peachy and it it's it's Almost more like a peach peach iced tea than a beer, but but I like that about it. That's one of the things I do like about it. You're still sober. I'm I'm still sober. That's <laughs> and it's four percent. So you know, I'm I'm not going to be tipsy. I'm not going to be drunk. I sure as shit not going to be sober either. So I'm just going to be on beer cut with peach. Yeah. Not, no, oh, yeah. There we there we have it. We've got it. You wanted the description for not being drunk, not being sober. Uh, it's cut with peach. Cut with peach. Well, this is like this like comes down to the to the scale of being cut half yeah. cut. Yeah, cut with peach is the is the gap in between. Cut with peach is the first step towards alcoholism. Yeah, there we have it. We um, have it. I'm giving it a B plus, man. I really liked it. Oh, very good, very good. I'll give this one Fuggles Gold a, a B minus. I think uh, very nice gold nail. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, it doesn't blow cool socks name. off, but then very few gold nails do. So uh, yeah, Fuggles Gold, B Fuggles minus, gold. I think. I will hopefully be able to get to you a uh, another episode of uh, Triple B, uh, hopefully next week. But uh, it all depends on on how busy everyone is. So uh, I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Booze Booms and Busts. And of course, please do uh, enter for our competition for giving away a case of beer. Uh, we haven't decided on which beer it will be, but have no fear, it will be one that we do view as uh, as a strong a strong set. So uh, just all you have to do is send us a DM on our Twitter. It is at booze, booms, and busts uh, with your answer as to who is speaking in this clip, and at the same time uh, when they said it, and retweet the uh, the post that we make about this episode. That's all you have to do. That's all from us for the minute. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you're having a good weekend, enjoying a few beers, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye bye.